electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is the American Greed Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed... 911, where's your emergency? Sounded like a plane crash. A car hit your house? It felt like that. That was one hell of a boom. It's a massive explosion in the middle of the night that destroys homes. They can't get out. Oh my God, look! and takes lives. One person thought it was the end of the world. Another person said it was like standing in death. But this is no accident. Why would somebody do this intentionally? $300,000. That's what it was done for, $300,000. As they pick apart this insurance fraud gone wrong, investigators close in on suspects Montserrat Shirley. It feels horrible when everybody's just like pointing on you like if we did something wrong. And her con man boyfriend, Mark Leonard. He never felt bad about hurting anybody. He didn't care. He had a demon in him. And when the law closes in, Leonard calls for more violence. Sir, your neighbors think you're a killer. Are you a killer, sir? On the south side of Indianapolis, Indiana, Richmond Hill looks like neighborhoods all across the country. Everybody pretty much knows everybody. It felt like a little small town community in a big city. But it was just so quiet. 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, you didn't hear anything. Among the many families living here in the fall of 2012 are schoolteacher Jennifer Longworth and her husband, an audio engineer named Dion. His backyard was about one-third garden. Dion's father, John Longworth, says that since building a house in Richmond Hill in 2005, his son worked diligently to create his own little Eden. He had blackberries, raspberries, of apples, uh, pears, and many kinds of flowers that he actually knew the uh, the Latin names for all of them. (laughs) On Saturday, November 10th, 2012, the sun that helps grow a bounty for Dion shines unseasonably warm upon him and his neighbors. As this perfect day turns to night, families settle in to watch TV or cozy up in bed. I probably hadn't been asleep, but maybe 20 minutes and the loudest ungodly sound I ever heard in my life just it woke us straight up out of bed. 911, what's the location of your emergency? So there was a big old boom here, man. Um, the whole house just like shook, like it was a huge bang. It was large, and it was a huge explosion. Our house shook so bad, I thought a car had actually hit our home. Richmond Hill resident Doug Aldridge. Uh, items were falling off the wall. Uh, we really didn't know at the time, at that second, what had happened. I'm seeing smoke. We hear sirens right now. You need to get over here right away. But whatever it was, it was pretty major. Does anybody have any idea what the hell exploded? 
It's an explosion so powerful, it moves the needle of an earthquake sensor 26 miles away. Insulation falls from the sky like snow, and neighbors emerge into a dark suburban hellscape. You actually hear people screaming because they were in such a, a, a panic. It's in the house! Everybody get back, there can still be gas! I remember seeing neighbors walk past, away from the explosion, just drenched in blood. People aren't supposed to see that in their lifetime. You know, your neighbors bleeding. And then it was just chaos. Amid this chaos, Kelly says her husband runs outside, then returns with news. All he was saying was, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone. I said, what's gone? He said, the house, the house is gone. And I looked at him, still half asleep, and said, I don't, what are you talking about? I said, I'm standing in the house. Our house is not our house. The neighbor's house is gone. The missing house belongs to a nurse named Monserrati Shirley. Her next door neighbors, the Olvies, have also been hit hard. I went from standing there with the soda in my hand, watching TV, to flying across the room. I can remember hearing my youngest daughter scream, I'm bleeding. I can remember my ex-wife yelling something at her. Then it was lights out. Neighbors rescue Olvi and his family members before a quickly spreading blaze consumes their collapsed house. I'm on the scene, I'm on the rear of uh, this incident, and we have extensive damage to a lot of houses along this area. We got a lot of frantic people back here. On the other side of Shirley's home, the explosion has destroyed the Longworth house, killing Jennifer instantly and trapping Dion below two stories of rubble. Keep the air clear, I got an entrapment on this side. We're trying to get the people out of here. Through a small opening in the debris, Dion calls to neighbors and talks with some of the firefighters under the command of Battalion Chief Mark Culver. You could actually see him and hear him, and he was pleading with us to get him out. One of my guys was actually laying down with him, had, had his hands on him, but you're talking an opening that was a few inches wide to try to get him out. Two firefighters struggle to extract Dion, racing against the elements in this tinderbox of exposed lumber. Give us water on this north side line as soon as you can so we can get these people out of this house. The fire marched across that house from the opposite end towards where we were, where Mr. Longworth was trapped, so fast. I had to back my, I had to pull my guys physically back for their safety because it got so hot so quick. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 
These men, trained to save lives, must retreat. All companies have been pulled back and mustered on uh, the streets. And Dion Longworth, just 34 years old, perishes in the flames. That's some we'll live with the rest of our life. It's one of those things that you wish you'd never see. In the morning, Dion's father receives the news every parent fears. And that's, that's, that's when it just kind of, the bottom falls out and you, you, uh, well, that's just the most awful feeling I ever had. I don't know how to describe it because I've never had it with anything else. We're going to need a representative from unsafe building or some uh, code enforcement agency. We have several homes that are damaged that are going to require inspection. All around Richmond Hill, neighbors are dealing with tragedy. And in the morning's first light, news reports provide the first real view of what occurred. It was described as a war zone, and upon entering the Richmond Hill subdivision, you can clearly see why. I cried. Um, I, I just couldn't believe how bad that was. I, I mean, it's, it looked like someone had dropped a bomb in the middle of our neighborhood. If a plane would have crashed inside that neighborhood, there'd probably been less damage. And I just looked at it and said, oh my God. If you had told me that 40 people had died, I would have believed you. That's not something I was used to seeing in Indianapolis. These houses, some were obliterated. Reporter Rich Van Wick. Some caught fire, some collapsed, some were shredded. Some knocked off their foundations. Every time you thought you've seen everything, you looked at another house you went around the corner and just realized how bad this is. Homes are in obvious ruin. Elsewhere, the damage is harder to see, but no less real. You know, by looking at them on the outside, you didn't know that they were damaged, but they weren't square. They were, you know, unlivable. The structural damage adds up to at least $4.4 million, with 200 residents forced from their homes. More than 80 houses are damaged. Three are completely destroyed, and approximately 30 must be demolished. Before long, authorities place the blame on a natural gas explosion inside the home of Monserrati Shirley, who happened to be away that Saturday at 11.10 p.m. And the next day, her neighbor, Liz Kelly, sees her near the wreckage and goes to comfort her. And she looked at me and she said, I'm so sorry. And I said, Monsi, why are you sorry? Your house blew up. You're a victim too, just like me. And she said, the neighbors are saying such horrible things about me. I said, Monsi, I don't listen to all that. I said, it's just gossip. And um, I said, you're, you're a victim. Would you, I said, the Lord's put on my heart to pray with you. Would you mind if I prayed for you? And she goes, would you please? Shirley's apology will take on new meaning as her neighbors learn the true cause of this deadly disaster. It was greed, and, and greed makes people do stupid things. After the devastating explosion at her Richmond Hill home, Monserrati Shirley finds herself literally in the center of this tragic story. A neighbor's phone call. That's how Muncie Shirley learned her neighbors feared she might be dead after an explosion did this to Shirley's home and the house next door. Born in Puerto Rico, Shirley, known to many as Muncie, moved to the U.S. at age 25. 
Montserrat Shirley is an educated professional person, a registered nurse, comes here from Puerto Rico. She's living the American dream. In 2003, she and her then husband build an approximately 2,800 square foot home in Richmond Hill, complete with four bedrooms, two and a half baths, and a great room with a gas-fed fireplace. When they divorce seven years later, she keeps the house, living there with her 11-year-old daughter and a Persian cat named Snowball. In November 2011, Shirley heads to Crazy Street, a bar on the south side of Indianapolis. As she walks in, she sees a man staring straight at her. His name is Mark Leonard, and she likes what she sees. Friend of Mark Leonard, Mark Duckworth. What attracted her the first time would probably be the blonde hair, blue eyes. He always tanned and had his hair highlighted to the max. Former Marion County Prosecutor Denise Robinson. She found out later he drove a, a nice vehicle, a Hummer. Seemed to be dressed nice, seemed to be flashing money. Well, driving a Hummer, pulling out a big wad of money, the average woman likes a man with money. And he was polite and sweet, and, and he was funny. That night, Shirley and Leonard talked for hours. He says he has his own construction business and also buys and sells cars. As the evening winds down, he drives her home and sleeps over. Little does she know, she's not the first woman to fall under his spell. In his words, I remember he was looking for someone to pamper and treat like a lady. Years before Shirley ever entered the picture, Joanne Engel says she meets Mark Leonard on a dating website called plentyoffish.com. Well, he said he was an entrepreneur and really wanted someone that he could settle down with that could complete him. <laughs> Raising a disabled son alone, Engel is a nurse who's spent a career taking care of others. Now she thinks she's met a man who'll take care of her. He told me several times he just couldn't wait to hear my voice again and he couldn't wait to see me and he said that I just completed his world and I made him happy. Out on the town, Engel says Leonard insists on paying for everything at first. Eventually, however, she says he asks to borrow a small amount of money and appears to have no problem paying Engel back. Everything that he told me all fit together, just like a puzzle. I didn't see any red flags, any reason to not trust him. He came across as somebody that was giving and genuine and really, really cared enough that he wouldn't take advantage of me. Then Engel says Leonard asks her for a $10,000 loan to replace a machine he needs to complete a huge construction job. He goes, at this job, I will make $300,000. He goes, I'm within a month of completing it, and somebody came and stole this big machine from the job. And without that machine, I can't finish the job. I don't know what I'm going to do. Blinded by love, Engel says she gives him the money. And he soon comes back asking for $30,000 more. When she says no, Leonard dumps her the same day. And Engel says she never sees him or her 10 grand again. I was really looking for someone just like him. So yeah, it, it broke my heart. Authorities say Engel is not his only victim. 
I think Mark Leonard played off primarily women's insecurities. He took advantage of women who were older, who had not had a man in their life for a significant period of time. He told them he cared about them. He pretended to care about them. Leonard's own relatives say he's a hustler who's addicted to money. And police records say he's also pulled off many other love cons and insurance scams in the past. For Mark Leonard, uh, he had the Harleys. He had a Cadillac. He liked the lifestyle of cars, but he also liked the faster lifestyle of going to casinos, um, hanging out with friends, uh, and spending money. So when Monserrati Shirley meets Leonard and brings him home in November 2011, she may be attracted to him, but it's clear that she also has something he wants. She had a house. Uh, she had a job. She had uh, a pension plan. For Mark Leonard, this was the culmination of, of all of the scams that he had come up with in the past. Within weeks of meeting, Mark Leonard and Monserrati Shirley are living in her Richmond Hill home. Together, they ride motorcycles and visit a nearby casino. And she takes care of him when he falls ill. But if Leonard came looking for a meal ticket, he soon learns it's not what he thought. It turns out Shirley's been living beyond her means. She's buried in credit card debt, has declared bankruptcy, and owes more on her house than it's worth. But that's not going to stop his scheming. Uh, very quickly after meeting, he convinced her to raise the contents coverage on her home from basically $100,000 to $300,000, so in essence tripling her, the contents coverage over her home. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Save big money in your next project with help from Menards. Move water where you need it quickly with a Barracuda sump pump. Sump pumps keep your basement dry when big storms hit unexpectedly. Get a half-horsepower cast-iron Barracuda sump pump on sale now through May 5th. Hurry into Menards and don't forget to check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. With this policy change, there'll be money to help pay off Shirley's two mortgages plus $300,000 for the contents of the home, if it's completely destroyed. And soon, Leonard begins convincing Shirley this is what's going to happen. At first, she resisted. She said no, she didn't want any part of it. But from her testimony, Mark Leonard persisted. Mark Leonard brought it up to Monserrati Shirley and said it was something that they could get away with. I think she was uh, physically attracted to Mark Leonard, didn't want to lose him. Indianapolis Police Department Detective Sergeant Jeffrey Wager. She was uh, really stressed by her financial situation and was probably looking that this could possibly be an out for her. Shirley later says she thinks they'll just be starting a small fire. 
And the last weekend in October 2012, they kicked their plan into action. She drops off her cat, Snowball, at a local kennel, and her daughter stays at the home of Glenn Holtz, a friend of Mark Leonard's, who, she says, helped convince her that this would all be easy. She and Leonard head to a casino, where they are safe from harm and sure to be seen. There, they wait for word that Leonard's acquaintance, Gary Thompson, has done what Mark is going to pay him $5,000 to do. Gary Thompson was supposed to pour gasoline throughout the house and then light it on fire and uh, leave the scene. Gary Thompson ultimately, for whatever reason, didn't do that. He said he was scared. He didn't want to drive over there and get caught driving the vehicle. But the scheme is far from over. And the next week, they try again. This time, authorities say they shift tactics, attempting to use natural gas from the home's fireplace and a spark from an old model thermostat to ignite it. And for the second weekend in a row, Shirley stows away her daughter and cat, then heads with Leonard to the casino and waits. Either there was too much natural gas or the um, ignition uh, switch, the, the thermostat, was not sufficient to ignite the natural gas that was present. Many of us, uh, uh, if you attempted this sort of thing and, and uh, failed, you might have second thoughts about it, but obviously he had no second thoughts whatsoever. Marion County Prosecutor Terry Curry. Mark Leonard was hell-bent on making sure that this happened. And so on the third try, Mark gets to work with his half-brother Bob, promising him $10,000 for his help. On Friday, November 9th, the Leonards go to a bar and chat with one of the knowledgeable owners. Ironically, the name of the bar was the Gaslight Inn, uh, and that um, the bartender actually is a full-time employee of the gas company. And literally in the video, um, the bartender is motioning his hands, and then what he indicated uh, that he was saying was uh, that it would fill up like a balloon until it then exploded. Later that night, with her daughter at the sitter and Kitty in the kennel, Muncie heads to the casino with Mark and says Bob holds on to his brother's white van. Meanwhile, at the casino, Muncie in pink and Leonard in a black motorcycle jacket spend hours doing pretty much nothing. The purpose of doing so was, was obvious, and that is they had an alibi for where they were when, when the incident occurred. Time ticks by. Then shortly after 11.10 p.m., Shirley gets the call they've been waiting for and learns she's gotten herself into something much bigger than expected. I don't think any of them had any clue whatsoever of the magnitude of the damage that would be caused by uh, creating that explosion. It's probably not the easiest thing to do, but with three attempts, they got it right. In the coming days, Shirley and Leonard tell cops and insurance investigators that they have no idea what caused the explosion. And even as the consequences of their scheme become clear, they remain intent on collecting from their misdeed. Monserrati Shirley, for example, told the insurance company they had purchased some expensive items, including, she said, a Picasso painting. It would be very, very unusual for someone living in a uh, medium income subdivision in Indianapolis to claim they had a Picasso 
and especially if they were claiming they purchased a Picasso, they were just going to put on the wall of their suburban house. Shirley's insurer rejects her claims. And before long, neighbors begin to wonder if something is up. It's devastating, and people keep asking me questions and questions, like, I know something, I don't know nothing. <laughs> I just left my house, and like we always do. Hoping to exonerate herself, Shirley talks to reporters a few days after the explosion. Didn't seem sincere. Richmond Hill resident Doug Aldridge. Uh, we call it the uh, fake tears interview. It feels horrible when everybody's just like pointing on you like if we did something wrong. Leave me alone. Please leave me alone. The consensus even in the Indianapolis area on social media, like, Please leave me alone. This is not good. Because of its destructive nature, arson can be a very difficult crime to solve. But Mario Garza, from the Indianapolis Fire Department, aided by investigators from the U.S. Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, will find that not all the evidence has been destroyed. This was the epicenter of the explosion. Police believe it originated inside the home near that burned out car. And that is where detectives, arson investigators, and federal ATF agents are concentrating to find out what caused this massive destruction. Residential gas lines should have a step-down regulator that lowers gas pressure going into a home. At Montserrat Shirley's home, however, investigators see that someone has replaced the regulator with a piece of straight pipe, allowing gas to flow into the house at a higher pressure than normal. There's no logical reason to remove it. In fact, it's a safety hazard to remove it. Your appliances don't work. There's too much gas coming into your house. You're just looking for problems. The only reason to remove the step-down regulator would be to put a lot of natural gas into your residence. Arson investigators also spend weeks exhaustively looking for a missing fireplace valve called a Dante valve and find nothing. If you remove that Dante valve, the gas flow comes in much faster, it's unregulated, and the house fills up much quicker with natural gas. They also find evidence that the home's microwave and a nearby cylinder blew apart from the inside. It was our belief that this cylinder was put in the microwave with a liquid. The microwave was on a timer. It was set to come on at a certain time. The microwave came on. The microwave heated the liquid inside the container, and it blew apart. And that sheer force and spark and heat from that ignited the natural gas, which exploded the house. There's also plenty that investigators don't find. Any item of value is suspiciously absent. There were no televisions, there were no computers, there was no jewelry. We found remote controls, but no TVs. So the typical stuff that you would find or you would expect to find in the house, we didn't find. As Garza sifts through the rubble, Detective Sergeant Jeffrey Wager begins to ask questions about Shirley and Leonard. I learned that Mark Leonard was a person that liked to commit fraud. Uh, he had on several occasions. I learned that there were prior arsons that had been committed among people he had known, uh, among his relatives. I learned that, um, that he was in debt. I learned that Montserrat Shirley was in debt and that they needed money. With this information, it's time to take a closer look at Leonard and Shirley's casino alibi. Tape from the casino on first viewing 
appeared to confirm their alibi. Former prosecutor Denise Robinson. Except when you started viewing it and asking questions like, well, how long did they gamble? Where did they go? Uh, and then you start realizing they're sitting at the same place for hours at a time. And you, you start watching the tape and you see things as it approaches 11 o'clock at night that Mark Leonard, for example, glances at his wristwatch. And there's more. A neighbor says that on the day of the explosion, he saw two men get out of Mark Leonard's white van and go into Shirley's house. And Leonard's relatives say Mark and Bob have been moving valuables from the house prior to the incident. Then there's Snowball's three trips to the kennel. I'm a cat owner myself. Uh, I see no reason to board the cat if I'm only going to be gone for a day or two. Leave it enough food and water and it takes care of itself. All of this is adding up to a strong circumstantial case. But still, investigators have found no direct link. Mark Duckworth is a former exotic dancer who says he first met Mark Leonard when Leonard came to him looking for a job in the 1980s. Around the time of the explosion, he spoke to his old friend and asked what he was up to. He said to me, I'm looking for a Ferrari online. I said, how can you afford a Ferrari? He said, our house blew up. Tsunami winds went through and blew the fireplace out. We're getting $300,000. But more important than what Leonard says is when he said it. All this conversation occurred before the actual explosion had happened. That seemed to be a heck of a coincidence in terms of what happened uh, at, the, at the end. And I don't believe in coincidences. So when Mark Duckworth learns of the Richmond Hill explosion after the call, he says he knows who's responsible and has no choice but to tell the cops. I knew too much. Anybody with common sense would know I knew too much. He said too much, told me too much. Days after Duckworth tells his story, 500 people gather at St. Barnabas Catholic Church for the funeral of Jennifer and Dion Longworth. It just seems like such a waste of wonderful people to die so young. That night, authorities announced the Richmond Hill case has become an active homicide investigation. And four days before Christmas, police make their move. As of yesterday, we filed charges against Mark Leonard, Montserrat Shirley, and Bob Leonard. All three individuals were arrested this morning and are in custody. Sir, your neighbors think you're a killer. Are you a killer, sir? Following their arrests, Mark Leonard, Monserrati Shirley, and Bob Leonard face charges of conspiracy to commit arson, 45 counts of arson, and two counts of felony murder. Inside Marion County Jail, Mark Leonard knows that if convicted, he could face life without parole. He also learns from court filings that a big part of the case against him involves his chat with M.D., a.k.a. his old friend, Mark Duckworth. Soon, though, Leonard makes a new friend, a fellow inmate named Smitty, who he thinks can help set things right. Mark Leonard believed that uh, Smitty was a person that was involved in a Southside motorcycle gang who had a history of killing people, and he believed that Smitty would know someone that could kill someone. Smitty does nothing to dissuade Leonard of this idea. 
and gets Leonard to draw a map pointing the way to Duckworth's home. Hello, this is a prepaid call from... Mark for Jay. An inmate at the Marion County Jail. Then in mid-March 2013, Smitty helps Leonard call a guy on the outside named Jay so they can work out the details. We're gonna make it look like a suicide. Oh, for real? Yeah, because if, see this way, it'll get me out of jail pretty much instantly. If you, if you have him call 911, like from his cell phone, right yeah. before you do it, and right, I got three sentences that I wrote down that if you just have him say these three sentences inside that 911 call right before, It'll get me out of here quick. No what do you want him to say? I want him to say, I did not mean to frame Mark and Muncie for their own house in Richmond Hills. Originally offering $15,000, Leonard says that if Jay pulls it off, there'll be an extra five. Oh, for real? Yeah, dude, because this is going to make a big difference right here, and it's a little bit tougher to get done, you know, so. Yeah, man, I'm going to get it done then for sure. All right. I mean, it, ain't gonna, it ain't gonna be no problem. How soon you think you're gonna get out though? Well, if you do it that way right there, it, I would say yeah. no longer than a few days. With this plan, Leonard sees freedom in sight, and authorities say he might be on to something. Had Mark Duckworth been killed, had that phone call been made, it would have seriously caused me to reconsider whether we had sufficient evidence to go forward with the case. But there's a big problem. Smitty is hardly Mark's friend. He's a jailhouse snitch, and Jay is hardly a hitman. Mark Leonard thought that Jay was a uh, badass motorcycle assassin and uh, was gonna solve all his problems when in fact he is really a ATF agent. Two weeks after the call, prosecutors charge Leonard with an additional count of conspiracy to commit murder. It's not his only setback. Mark, what do you think of Montserrat Shirley testifying for the government? Will let her testimony change your play at all? In 2015, Shirley strikes a deal, agreeing to provide law enforcement with an inside view of the conspiracy that led to the destruction of Richmond Hill. She completed the picture. She certainly gave us an inside perspective. Following her plea, authorities announced more arrests, including that of Mark Leonard's employee, Gary Thompson, who helped with the first two attempts and Glenn Holtz, Leonard's friend, who knew about the plot but kept silent. We're ready. We've been ready, but uh, it's time to get this case to a jury. Nearly three years after the explosion that decimated Richmond Hill, Mark Leonard's trial gets underway. When it's time for opening arguments, Leonard's lawyer makes a bold gambit. She admits that Leonard caused the explosion but says he had no intent to kill anyone, calling it a stupid and selfish insurance fraud that went horribly wrong. Rich Van Wick. When I heard that, I didn't believe it, and the reporters around me were equally stunned. Never heard anything like that from a defense attorney. Prosecutor Denise Robinson doesn't buy the argument. The fact that Shirley went to such efforts to protect snowball and to protect her daughter. They may not have known they were going to blow up the whole neighborhood, but they knew the extent of what it is they were doing because they cared more about their daughter and their cat 
than they cared about their neighbors. Over the course of six weeks, the prosecution calls more than 160 witnesses, with Monserrati Shirley as the star. Following closing arguments, the jury takes less than four hours to find Mark Leonard guilty of all charges. A month later at sentencing, the judge calls him the worst of the worst and hands down two life without parole sentences plus 75 years. After his own trial, Bob Leonard is also sentenced to two life terms plus 70 years. Leonard's helper, Gary Thompson, pleads guilty and will spend 20 years behind bars. And Glenn Holtz, who knew of the plot but kept quiet, also pleads guilty to assisting a criminal and gets a three-year sentence. After pleading guilty and telling authorities what she knows, some neighbors worry Shirley could get off easy. There were 52 counts that were released, including the demolition of at least 33 homes. And she could walk out with nothing but time served. That doesn't sound right to me in any way. Her lawyer argues she has a history of being abused that made her susceptible to being coerced and controlled. But prosecutor Denise Robinson says that excuses nothing. She had a daughter. She had an education. She had family who would have listened to her, who would have taken her in, who would have protected her. And she didn't go to any of those sources but simply allowed this to happen. And then, after it did happen, lied about it. It feels horrible when everybody's just, like, pointing on you like if we did something wrong. And she bears responsibility for what happened. She was as guilty as if she had opened that valve or set that microwave herself. In the end, Shirley escapes life without parole, but gets 50 years in prison to think about her greed. In January 2018, while serving a sentence, Mark Leonard dies of natural causes. Years after the explosion, the lots where the Shirley and Longworth homes once stood remain empty. Some neighbors have left Richmond Hill, others have rebuilt. But for those who survived that November night in 2012, scars remain. A lot of people say, you know, why can't you just get past it? I don't think it's anything you ever get over. People lost their lives. I lost everything. I lost my sense of security. You don't get over that. You learn to live with it. First two years, I relived it every day. Every day. Uh, you know, it just played over and over and over in your mind. Uh, it got to the point my wife sent me to a psychiatrist because it, it just, every time I saw the videos on TV, it just, I just started crying. It's still so irritating that somebody could be that greedy that they would do this. I mean, sentences have been handed down. They will never see the light outside of that prison for as long as they live. But it's still not gonna bring those two kids back. $300,000. That's what it was done for, $300,000. Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. 
like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.